Matt, you there? Brother Joe, what's going on? All right, there it works. How you doing? Good. Good. Coming to you live from Reedsburg, Wisconsin. Matt Lautner, making my way through the state of Wisconsin, and we're telling the story of Heatwave. <laughs> and by God, without Cini, there's no Heatwave. Heatwave. There'd be no monopoly. So thank you, Joe. I'm down on my knees in a parking lot at the Culver's Burger Stand thanking you for creating Heat Wave, which created Monopoly. <laughs> uh, wasn't up to me, Matt. Just how <laughs> history worked, right? Well, it's all, it's all, uh, I mean, we just talked with Mike Widener for a brief 10 minute interview and, uh, you know, I mean, it's all just luck. I mean, I said that, I said that in my uh, Cattle Drive Live deal the other day, and I don't know if Brett Carter or Corey Thompson thought I was joking, but we can all have revisionist history, and uh, I'm not trying to be too uh, philo philosophical here, but uh, we can all pretend like we're smarter than we really are, but at the end of the day, uh, it takes a lot of luck. Or it takes it takes some know-how. You got to put yourself in position, but it takes a lot of luck to uh, luck out and hit, uh, you know, a heat wave or a monopoly or an I-80 or whatever it may be. I guess so. Yeah, no doubt. I think. So, one of, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna add. I I think one of the interesting things about selecting a semen sire uh from what i've learned from over the years is you know whether or not you're looking for one sometime one just runs up on you and then mm -hmm. uh you know after f the phenotypic looks appeal to everyone a lot of it depends on the breeding maybe his th ph you know all of those genetic disorders that we've now found you know, mm -hmm. all that stuff needs to add up. And really, a lot of the times, the, the bull that takes off the best is the one that everybody didn't realize they needed the most. Um, you bet. We've got a new main bull, Sweet Willie. You know, I bought that bull as simply a, a bull to clean up my TH Dirty, Yep. Um, you know, club calf show heifers, if you'd say. And yep. it just so, you know, matters that all of a sudden now, hey, the rest of the industry needed that same bull like I did. So is he the best purebred main bull to put on some of those THE looking cows? I don't know. Is he working in spots where other bulls haven't worked? Absolutely, because there's just not a lot of options. And sure looks like uh, sure looks like the big boned and big haired kind to me. But yeah. uh, I guess. uh just a personal interaction about what you just talked about. I was down to Brandon Horns about three falls ago and got the chance. The only time I've ever been, uh, only time I've ever visited with Brandon Horn in my life. And we got to spend about two or three hours together. And uh, he showed me his herd and eh, pr profound statement that he said, or one of the, one of the ones that I walked away with that day was, uh, he started his bull business with solid gold or whatever it may have been. And it was just a, a tool in his toolbox for his cow-calf operation. And then with the success of the solid gold and the BDR and the 
in God we trust just as the highlights i'm sure there's more uh mm-hmm. uh it no longer could be just uh something that he used just for his own herd because the financial payoff on some of them bulls we just i just spoke about was lucrative so he was forced to just it i think the way he described it to me was it was just kind of a byproduct that he was able to sell a little bit of semen but then it got to the point where uh it was making so much money that they had to take it a little bit more serious on the on the uh <laughs> on the club mm-hmm. calf semen sales in the texas market so uh i mean necessity is the mother of all invention and there's a story that someday i'll i mean it's not a big story and it's, it's a small story but uh I wouldn't be podcasting today unless I was told that I uh, couldn't advertise on the Cattle Drive Live for two weeks because they were getting some guests and they just wanted to be uh, respectful to those guests that were coming on to their show. And Mm -hmm. by golly, here we are two and a half weeks later and I'm putting out 61 episodes in three weeks and it's like, whoa, this is easy. But also, I mean, I, I I wouldn't be in the situation if I could have been if I could have kept advertising with them cattle drive boys and I'm not trying to make it more than it is. It's just, it's mm-hmm. interesting that that's why I'm podcasting taking to it. We've had quite a, quite a number of views and listens. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I guess from a marketing perspective, you know, you've hit the sweet spot whenever you start to get visual or uh, verbal and text message feedback. And the podcast has been good for our business. Just kind of get letting people get to know us without actually having to pick up the phone. And uh, I guess that's a long introduction, Joe, but I will <laughs> as much as possible about the Joe Gensini brand. Me and Joe and Carrie Gensini been homies ever since the third grade. Back in 2001, two time frame, I was uh, in my young punk portion of my life, and I came into contact with the Joe Gensini and uh, learned a lot. Learned a lot about clipping, learned a lot about uh, life, and uh, I would say uh, I couldn't be for a few minutes, Joe. So I don't know how long this will take, but we can start whenever and wherever you want to as far as your story. And if you could tell uh, the audience any of your old stories that kind of how you got to where you are today. I know you've had a lot of success in, in show cattle and outside of show cattle out over the last 20 or 30 years, and uh, I'm just certain that the audience would like to know more about the man that owns Chosen One, uh, the Sweet Willie that you mentioned, mm-hmm. and then also back in the day, <coughs> heck, a lot of these young punks wouldn't even know this, Joe. You owned a bull called Doctor Who. Yeah. Did a little bit of good in the old maternal game, I'd say. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so anyways, no, I mean, uh, start wherever you want, but I'll let you lead, and I'll try to be a good dancing partner. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Matt. Um, I've been listening to your podcasts, and they're always interesting. I, I really kind of, as I've gotten older, I enjoy uh, listening to the history of our show cattle business. Me, myself, I'm one that's pretty proud about my past. Uh, of course, there's always instances that you're not so proud of. But, you know, I'll start by saying... Um, I all of my success is owed to other people. You know, uh, we've all had a mentor or mentors. We all need to learn how to mentor others and younger people. And, um, you know, my story is pretty simple. I, I, I started out in this show cattle business because of simply the love 
of taking care of the livestock. I really was drawn to the show side of clipping, washing, fitting, the day-to-day care. I didn't really care to go into the show ring, um, but I cared to do all the other work around it. And that's what drew me to the show cattle business. And uh, growing up, I was like a lot of other young, you know, uh, guys. I played a lot of sports. I enjoyed that to a point. But once I hit about 17, 18 years old and realized that I wasn't going to make a living playing those sports, I decided to kind of jump off the sport bandwagon, per se. And I pursued after high school. You know, I went to Blackhawk East. Um, my dad like near killed me. I had some college scholarship offers to go and play baseball at some different universities and, and junior colleges. And, um, I decided to forgo that and go hang out basically with a bunch of kids that were just like me. And God thank that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I went over to Blackhawk and, you know, I met Dan Hogue. Um, who quite honestly, I didn't have very good relationship with when I was in junior college, um, for a number of different reasons, you know, my, my priorities were a little different than what he wanted them to be in terms of livestock judging at the time, which may be one of my regrets in this world, but, um, it is what it is. You know, I just met a lot of kids that were just like me, you know, when I was at junior college there for a couple of years, I mean, the Brian Gottemillers, the Mike McCoys, the Kane Cosmakers, the Andy Musgraves, um, Ben Bobles, Dan Shikes, uh, the list goes on and on. David Sinclair. Um, oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Golly, you're blowing my hair back here, Joe. That's yeah. a lot of that's a lot of legends of the industry, brother, and not only the uh, cattle industry but also the pig industry, and yeah. uh, that's pretty awesome. And I guess. With that uh, choice to go to the Blackhawk, mm-hmm. there would be no Carrie Gensini if you had gone on to play baseball. <laughs> That's right. I met my wife there. She was in the horse judging program, which a lot of people don't know about her. Carrie's very talented with her quarter horses. Uh, she still has a number of quarter horse mares and foals and yearlings and threes and twos and you name it. Um, she's raised a couple world champions, which most don't mm-hmm. know. And She's also shown herself a quarter horse Congress champion. So she's very talented. And that's where we got to meet was at Blackhawk. She herself was judging horses and I was hanging out, drinking beer, meeting all these people, running around, clipping anything we could clip. And, mm-hmm. you know, just it was like freedom, man. And, and it was like surrounding myself with people that were just like me. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what really. I guess, told myself that, hey, there is a world out there that's just like me. Um, In those days, there was no social media. Hell, we didn't have cell phones. You know, imagine this world with no cell phone. A lot of young people couldn't uh, couldn't live today. So, you know, we combed through the National Livestock Exhibitor magazine and, um, you know, we got our, our information from hearsay and talking to people and getting into things so that's kind of where i got my start um uh, i didn't have a lot of success as a kid so moving on from uh the blackhawk you'll need to help tell this story because i don't know where where it started Mm -hmm. but i know that you had a relationship with dave guyer uh whenever i first met you you had just Mm -hmm. got done working with dave uh 
and yeah. move back to central Illinois, back close to home. And anyways, yeah. I guess just, uh, I mean, we, I, I would love to go hours with you, but just to try to keep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so real quick, uh, when I was at my, my freshman year at Black to this Hawk, day are, are tight and you own chosen one together. So just give it a little background of the Jensini and Geyer connection. Yep. Yep. So when I was at Blackhawk my first year, I, I was a, a transfer student. I was planning on going to a four-year university. And about the second half of my, you know, spring semester, I realized that probably wasn't what I wanted to do. So uh, Dan Hogue suggested that I do, uh, you know, an internship. So he had me lined up to do an internship for Mike Hartman, actually, out in Tecumseh, Nebraska. And just so happened... I was planning on heading to Mike's in September there at the start of school. And that year, uh, my little sister and I had a show steer actually from Regan Bowman, who I'd bought down at Louisville the, pre- the previous fall. And Dave and Regan Bowman, which some may know or don't know, were, were show steer trader partners together. So that was my first introduction to Dave. And that year I happened to, my little sister happened to win uh, the Illinois State Fair. And after that happened, and that week spending around Dave, Dave kind of caught wind that I was going on an internship at Mike Hartman's, and he said, no, no, you're not. You're pretty handy the- Pretty handy with the Clippers. Old Dave, he can always spot good talent. Yeah, I would say uh, outside of yeah. I, I, outside of me, I think I'm decent at identifying high-quality livestock. Outside of my talent for high-quality livestock – my, I'm most proud that I've had some of the, the greatest clipping talents in the country help me and kind of help getting getting their start. And you would know one of them, old Charlie Wilson back in the day, 12, 13 oh, years yeah. ago. Started yeah. working out full-time for me for two or three years. And, uh, yeah. you know, some this is, a, this is a statement which all business owners will relate to. Some help, sometimes you can't find good help. And sometimes your help is so good, you know they're not going to stay very long because they're going to go do their own thing. And right. Charlie Wilson, Charlie Wilson was one of those guys that you knew wasn't going to stay very long because he, he had the talent and he had the uh, hustle and he had the, you know, he just wasn't going to sit around and be somebody else's uh, hired man forever. He was going to go spread his wings. And by golly, he's done a hell of a good job doing that. So yeah. anyways, that was just my quick interaction. Go ahead and continue on. Now, I just, you know, so that fall there – I ended up going to work for Dave. It started out as an internship and ended up into a full-time job. Uh, back in those days, we only, or Dave only traded about 50 steers a year. We had one annual fall sale and then added a few here and there, but it was nothing like it is today. So different world, different time. But I stayed there at Dave's about three or four years. I don't remember exactly. And then uh, Dave decided to make kind of a, a, a geographic move. So he moved back to Southern Illinois where he had grown up from Tipton, Indiana. And to be honest with you, I didn't care for the region, the area, and it was just kind of time for me to go off and do my own thing. So um, my grandfather passed away June 12th of 1999 and of a heart attack unexpectedly. And I was given the opportunity to move home here to Illinois and basically take over the small little farm we had. So I proposed to my wife, uh, ended up getting married the following summer, moved home, uh, bought a couple acres and the home that my grandfather lived in, 
and we bought a group of cows, you know. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting, I was listening to your podcast the other night with, with Barry Ryman about the old Ryman ranch. And I just kind of, an interesting fact about my cow herd was simply, uh, the fall of, let's see, not the, yeah, the fall of 2001, I believe. And I could be off. It could be 2000. Anyway, um, I was looking for some cows and of course, through, show friendship nick and i were were very close and tight i also was friends with nick and uh his dad and his family were going through a south dakota drought so about uh, june of that year july whatever summer of 2000 2001 most people wouldn't know that i actually went to south dakota and nick's dad let me pick out my first pot load of cows out of there with as pairs and uh, he told I me I that. could pick any cow in the any any cow on their place. Didn't matter what she was. <laughs> he didn't really care. Or no, he just knew he needed to sell cows because of a drought. So those good people, because I didn't have much money, uh, they let me pick pairs from their place for fifteen hundred dollars a pair. I had no idea. That's an awesome story. Yeah. So I brought all those pairs home. I tried to select the calf at their side probably for as much as anything. And that's how I started to build my cow herd. So our little cow herd goes all the way back to those Ryman cows from 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. I guess, uh, I mean, uh, moving right along here, uh, I mean, there's going to be a story told by the time this podcast gets uh released and i'm i'm not one to to beat around the bush so i'm gonna come right at it i think you'll want to respond the story goes i mean it's a true story and it is what it is and it's you know it's not that big of a deal really uh so you're young and you're hustling and and you find this little old hold oversized calf out in indiana at max Follies. And I don't know if you offered him 1500 or if uh, he priced him at that price. But <laughs> once again, it's not like, I mean, cattle are worth at that time, eight or 900 bucks at the, at the meat market or at the sale yeah. barn. So, I mean, I guess, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is I want to give you the chance to respond. And there's some people that might think that was too cheap for heat wave, but I just have been in the situation I'm not saying with heat wave. I'm just saying with little calves and you don't know what they are and they're skinny and that heat wave obviously had a rough start to life. Mm -hmm. So it's not like the vision is laid out at that point. And you just made a sound business investment to me. You bought a $1,500 calf, you brought him home and you sold him for $3,500 profit. It's really not that complicated. So I just don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. Like Mm -hmm. that was too little for the calf. I mean, that was a fair price for the calf. And then, with a little bit of time and TLC, you remarketed him to Phil and Widener. And by golly, he accidentally, just like I said with Monopoly the other night, he accidentally became the heat wave that we all know. And I don't think anybody has to feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, the old heat wave story is pretty simple. And you're exactly right, Matt. I mean, in those days, it was a different time. Um, Got to remember, uh, so when I buy that bull, I actually don't find that bull on my own. So some people know, some people won't. I used to be pretty good friends with Barry Nowatsky, spent a lot of time in Michigan City. Him and I, uh, you know, enjoyed each other's bumming around. So uh, 
I'd help him go and trim hooves and likewise. And we'd look at a lot of cattle together back in those days. And uh, Barry actually was the one that got the call from Max to come and look at that calf. Um, Max didn't live too far from Michigan City. So we simply one day on our way out to Randy Jones's to trim steer's feet because Barry always used to sell the Jones boys their calves when they were growing up. Um, we stopped into Max's and looked at a little bitty summer born calf. Well, I mean, people have to understand that calf was, uh, he'd been uh, a cesarean section, I believe, or at least a, a yep. bigger birth weight calf. Um, he was, uh, he's basically bottle fed. So you can imagine that, you know, when they're, they're, they look like that most of the time they have uh, overabundance of hair and little straggly and don't get the same opportunity to grow like they would in a Ryman ranch pasture in South Dakota. Nope. So we're looking at a little bitty summer born calf. And to be honest with you, he was just a nice calf, had a good build, um, but was really odd aged as a lot of guys would like to say these days, which back in those days, there wasn't the big influx between the North and the South. I very rarely sold cattle to a southern market so that was that was not the norm like it is now um so here we see this little calf he's got some quality it's pretty nice hell the first time we went through there we passed on him not gonna lie um i happen to probably like the calf better than barry for whatever reason kind of stuck out in my mind and i was up in that area later on that fall summer October something I don't remember and I buzzed back by Max's and actually uh took a second look at him and that's when Max priced him you know like you yep. said at 1500 it wasn't out of the norm and I damn sure didn't think I was necessarily stealing him by any means to be truthful with you that was a pretty fair price back in the day um so Max prices him I buy him <laughs> I had just moved home to Illinois and I was without a truck and a trailer. So I was trading cattle that fall, kind of bumming around, borrowing a trailer, borrowing a truck. I think me and you maybe even had some cattle the following year or that year, whatever. But long mm -hmm. story short, I don't even go and pick up little old heat wave until about Thanksgiving. Um, when I get there, uh, guess what? I find a calf that I assumed was going to be cut and steered. <laughs> and uh, because Max at the time had been through a, a hip replacement, I think was the, was the deal. Max was pretty much housebound, and I think he had a son or a cousin or nephew, somebody helping taking care of the cattle. But anyway, long story short, I pick up this little bull calf, and I'm like, son of a gun, what am I going to do with this thing? He's pretty mature. He's not bad. He's super hairy. He's not very fat. So I pick him up. And he hits me pretty hard, though. I mean, I know it's I know it's good livestock. I'm, you know, I, I never want to say that I didn't know that. So, on my way home across northern Indiana that night in the dark, I end up coming and taking uh, Interstate 80 home over here, and I actually stop into a good friend of mine, Eric Bedino, and his his dad's that night for another reason or not. And I show him this little calf, and I'm like this is going to be the next bull. I'm, I'm going to make this bull into something. This is going to be a bull. Yeah. Yeah. So they thought I was crazy. Of course, Eric did. 
his dad <laughs> not so much. His dad will tell the story that his dad actually told Eric that they should have bought part of the bull at the time. But anyway, uh, so I get home. And I just start racking my brain. I'm like, what am I going to do? I, I don't know really a lot about the semen business. The only person I really knew and bumped up against at the time was Mike Wiedner. And a lot of that was through Barry. Barry and Mike, Bob May, they were all good friends back in the day. We used to go to the Bulls games with Mike. And so I go, I give Weedy a call. And I say, Mike, come take a look at this calf. I think he's pretty nice. Long story short, a couple days later, Mike comes down to my place. Got a little bitty old skinny black summer born calf that's half clipped and Mike likes him. Well, Mike and Phil at the time had been doing a bunch of business. And uh, next thing you know, I got Phil Lautner, the Phil Lautner calling me. The question, if Michael Jordan and Phil Lautner were to show up on your property in Hennepin, Illinois during that time period with Phil's amazing success and Michael Jordan's yeah. six rings, which <laughs> one would make Joe Gensini's knees shake more? I was a pretty big Bulls fan, not going to lie. Yeah, me too. Me too. Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe even Scottie Pippen or Steve Kerr, to be honest with you. I'd yeah. probably take Steve Kerr over Phil Lautner at that point. <laughs> no, so Phil, you know, so Phil and Mike actually buy that calf from me Heatway for 5000 bucks. I don't own a damn thing, you know. I sold the entire bull. Well, Phil coerces me into going to Denver with him, leaves my name up on the banner in the ads, told me it'd, it'd be great for my business, great for me trading cattle, blah, blah, blah. And that was kind of the start of me playing with some of those bulls, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the story of Heat Wave. You know, that first year. What I other, was, I, yeah. I, I guess I don't remember, and maybe you won't either, but you said you came to Denver to help on Heat Wave. What yep. other bulls were on display that year? I know that he was the obviously the smallest little chubby sucker, but there were some big stout husky ones there too, which – do you remember which ones they were? Was there a full force there from Trinan? Mm, could have been. I believe, I think if I remember back, so that year, oh boy, this is digging here and bless his heart now because he's gone. But I think Phil and Kent Haber. Oh yeah, ladies man. Ladies that's, man was that year. That's right. They that was the big husky one and he probably didn't. I mean, not probably at this point, 20 years later. That one didn't sire as good, but that would have been my pick that year. He was the big Husky one. Yeah, and I think, I think if I remember right, I think Phil and Kent actually bought a calf together that didn't turn out. Yep. Kent cried a little bit about it, and Phil ended up letting <laughs> him in on Ladies Man. That's exactly what happened. And I, and I, yep. I love, I mean... <clears throat> Kindness is probably not one of Phil Lautner's greatest uh, traits, yeah. but in this narrow scope, I'm going to guarantee you he actually did Kent a favor. He, he did take care of him on a bull that didn't turn out. He did do that. And then I also remember, wasn't that the year that there was two brothers to, I mean, there was all about you and then wasn't there another one? Boy, I think you're right. All about you was in Denver. That's the full brother to Heat Seeker. Yep. And then uh, I don't know if there was a second one or not, but I do, I do Big remember. Uh, that sounds right. I mean, the name sounds right. I don't know if he was a full brother or not. I do remember. Yeah. I mean, these these bulls, they got names and they got stories yeah. behind the names. But old, uh, all about you. I mean, Phil and Brad Hook have a long history, and it's a great one. But uh, oh, yeah. I believe that the Brad Hook had a maybe a 
all about you marketing program. So, uh, you know, old Phil, never afraid (laughs) to take advantage of a marketing opportunity back in the late 90s, early 2000s. He named that boat all about you because uh, he's a yeah. full brother to Heat Seeker. So. He was a full brother to Heat Seeker. And that was actually a pretty good boy. I, I had some cattle out of him that weren't bad myself. Yeah. Just a funny little unique interaction, and I can edit this out if you don't think it's appropriate. But my boy, Kevin Mears, my executive producer, who has yet to mute me to this point. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he is now the big – he is the uh, king of podcasting, of course. His Barry Ryman interview has earned over 39,000 listens in just over eight days, I believe it is. Anyhow, uh, Kevin's first paid promo advertising long cast was with the inventor of Heat Seeker, Brent Seek. Wouldn't think MLC Seeker on his podcast? That's weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, moving on. I mean, Doctor Who came down the pipe shortly after. Sure. Uh, heat wave, uh, anything else? I mean, you were, you were very aggressive and, uh, I think you went at it pretty hard there for several years. And then you kind of went back and decided you decided you wanted to become a multimillionaire. No, no. And I shouldn't say that you <laughs> you decided you wanted more stability or whatever it may be. And you went out and you just dominated in the, uh, in a different business. And, and now you're back kicking everybody's ass in the bull business again. So just, we can edit that down to get rid of all the profanity, but uh, go ahead and tell your story from the last 15 or 20 years. Yeah, no, we got through a few years of those bulls, and honestly, I was having a hard time. I've always been one to uh, at least try to identify what what I was good at and then put my heart and soul into it 150%. And there was a time there in my life when I'm not going to lie. I mean, it, it was tough to make a living raising and, and showing cattle and, and buying and reselling show cattle. And, uh, you know, I needed to some cash flow. So my dad helped me buy, a uh, an old John Deere rubber tired backhoe loader. And I bought an old dump truck and, uh, I decided to start doing some local excavating around here in Illinois where I live. And with that, you know, I took a lot of what I'd learned in the show cattle business on how to treat people and how to make deals and how to price myself. And uh, I started an excavating business and uh, it didn't take me very long, a couple years, three, four years down the road. I quickly realized, hey, this this is like a way you really make a living. This is real money. (laughs) Uh, And it turned into more than what my show cattle business at the time was able to generate in terms of revenue. So I had to take a really hard look at trading show stock mm-hmm. and raising show cattle. And with that, I got really lucky. And I believe it would have been the January of 2006. I had a shorthorn bull called radioactive that I was able to, well, we took him to Denver and out in Denver uh, myself and my partner, which was Dave Geyer at the time, uh, we were able to sell that bull, um, for, for a significant amount of money profit. And that actually my, my 15 years ago, Joe, come on, let loose with the number. Yeah. We sold that bull for $250,000. Okay. Maybe you should have kept that quiet. <laughs> so we sell that bull and and I took my money honest to god and I bought myself a 320 cat excavator. 
And that was really what kind of really jump started my excavating business was simply buying that excavator because I'd been renting one and, and it helped me kind of go with it. So, you know, who raised, who raised radioactive, I guess. I, I remember the bull profoundly. He was at Hawkeye for a long time. Yeah. But who, um, uh, yeah. Moore's down in Southern Illinois. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. I'll tell cool. you, there's a really good story behind that bull too. If you want to know the truth. Sure. Uh, and I'll, I'll share it real quick. Uh, you know, like anything, uh, there was a rough time in Dave Geyer and I's friendship there when I kind of decided to leave his side and go off and do my thing. He kind of like shunned me as you'd say, which a lot of people do. And that's my little bit of advice today. If young people are listening to this, um, when your mentor shoves you to the side and assumes that, that, uh, you know, you're no longer friends and wants to make it hard on you. That's probably because they're scared of you. And I think maybe there was a little bit of that with Dave. So long story short, Dave and I didn't really talk or get along there for a few years. And Hey, I uh, felt like that with my dad uh, every now and again. Yeah, yeah, I agree with, I agree with you. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> so, so with the inception of radioactive, another good friend of mine, Tony Kershaw, um from from southwestern illinois actually an old shorthorn guru he finds this bull at moore's um that fall of 05 and drags him up to my place one day and i'm like hey i like that bull so i buy that bull from tony um and as funny as it is dave had been out west and once again, you know, Joe's saying, well, how's he going to market this thing? I call Geyer and I say, hey, you need to stop by and look at this bull. I think he's worth something. So long story short, Dave didn't even see that bull in the light. Didn't see that bull until we got to Denver that year. Um, <laughs> but that same, uh, it was about two days there before Louisville. Uh, I sell Dave or give Dave a portion of that radioactive bull. He coerces me into hopping in the truck like old days and we rush down to Louisville steer show and I get to help him fit Tyler Weingartner's 2005 Louisville champion steer. So that was kind of okay. Dave and I are back friends again. And then we go to Denver. We have a good time. We sell that bull for a bunch. And uh, so goes the story. And, and we're still real good friends. Um, so, yeah, so that's, so I don't, uh, I cannot let you out of here without a Troy Pollyak story. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly how you and Troy met or how, I mean, what your relationship may be today. I assume it's great, but uh, uh, you got to tell me just one random Troy Paliak story because he's part of my history pretty strong there for three or four years. Yeah, really. Troy was a young kid that had a lot of uh, initiative, I would say, uh, at the time. When I moved home here to Illinois, Troy had actually kind of sought me out. I mean, maybe pester is a better word, um, would call me constantly wanting me to come clip a calf for him or wanting, you know, to know if he could come and help me. He was very persistent. And finally, I remember the first time I actually met Troy, I think his dad brought him and a skinny scraggly shorthorn steer down before the Wisconsin state fair in like 2001 or 2000. And uh, had me clipping for their state fair. And with that, um, Troy and I became friends. I, I really appreciated Troy's work ethic. He was always a very hard worker. And he'd come and help me around the barn and, 
and whatnot. Uh, then him and his brothers, they they showed a few steers that I traded there for a couple of years. Uh, yeah. None of them ever had just a ton of success. We had one or two that was nice. Sure. Um, but uh, long story short, you know, Troy was one of those people that did have a lot of ability. I still think he does. I, I don't often get a chance to talk to Troy. He'll call or text with something that's, you know, he's seen my kids do well or whatnot, and he'll – He'll give me a nice congratulations text message and that. But Troy's oh, yeah. one of those people I've tried, you know, I've just kind of grown apart. Yeah. 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 Sometimes the guy drifts away from, uh, from old friendships. And uh, you say he had, had enthusiasm and he still has it today. And that's, I, I think that's why the Lotner Polyak worked so good back in the day. Cause he was the gas and I was the brakes. Oh yeah. yeah. So uh, anyways, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, any other kind of cool or unique stories i know uh you could quickly glance over your uh re-entry into the market in terms of your kids are starting to dominate at that uh state and national level at the show heifers and in 2022 you just you know you got bored with just winning heifer shows and now you're kicking butt in the steer shows grand champion steer at the illinois beef expo just a little show in illinois grand champion overall in a state with you know, the big dog, our Nelson England's doing a great job. Caldwell and Geyer, and I mean, just a lot of horsepower. And uh, y'all's family bought that steer from Barry Ryman and the Ryman Ranches, and have had a heck, heck of a run with him, but he was grand champion, right? Yes, he was. I mean, we've got a really nice steer that Barry raised up there this year. Blaine Rogers, um, Blaine and I, and Charlie Wilson, we all rode around this last fall. Looking at livestock, trying to pick out a few show steers, and that one surfaced for us pretty easy. And I was able to get him back to Hennepin, and he's going to be a lot of fun. Looks awesome right now. He's been in the cooler for about a month. Um, So, yeah, super excited about him. Uh, I do kind of want to add, you know, for me now in my life, uh, you know, I'm 45 years old, running an excavating business where day in and day out, I've got somewhere between 40 and 60 employees um really enjoy what i do now every day couldn't do it though uh at home without uh mr devin cox uh devin is our right hand guy helps us around the barn helps the kids he's my Mm -hmm. son's best friend him and my wife get along great so i want to shout out to devin he does a great job Mm -hmm. Uh, my wife also most people have no idea how talented my wife is um you know, she is a master at mating livestock. I mean, I could go on and on about all the champions and high dollar and high selling cattle that we've raised here over the years. And I'm not going to take any of that success away from her. It's all been her. She is the mating queen. Uh, many people wouldn't know that uh, she breeds everything. She AIs everything. Uh, Carrie grew up on a dairy farm and she is very ranchy. <laughs> might not <laughs> might not look like it, but That's, she is. Uh... Oh yeah, she looks like a Barbie doll whenever you whenever you see her from afar. But uh, yeah, I would yeah. say that she's got the talent, and uh, much like you, Joe, we have so many things in similarity. Uh, yeah. I would uh, be uh, struggling in uh, I don't know what I'd be doing right now if I didn't have my wife come along and she kind of organizes the chaos and uh, runs yep. our home office, shipping semen around and. Starting to build up our own herd a little bit. Had a just a teeny bit of success here the last couple of show seasons, and uh, and uh, I did get through your herd on the way home from the Eastern Market there about a month ago. 
and Devin Cox gave me the tour through your calves, and boy, you got some outstanding calves that are getting ready to sell this fall. And then I got to catch up with Carrie Gensini for about a, you know, 20 or 25 minutes, and she wanted to go longer. I'm just a little bit short-winded when it comes to talking sometimes, yeah. but she wants to go long, and I uh, got to introduce her to my wife, Michelle, and I believe they went for like 40 minutes. So oh, yeah. I'd say I'd say we need to combine those forces, get the master yeah. mater carry with the uh, MLC Breeder of the Year from 2021, <laughs> Michelle Lautner, and just let them go make some champions together. Yeah. You know, right now for us, this is a lot of fun. You know, we set out with a plan the last few years. Cade now is 14 years old. My daughter, McClay, is 11. Uh, we set out with the mindset that we were only going to buy the best livestock we could find. We were starting with these heifers. We spent a ton of money. We've invested in the best genetics from the best people, no matter where they came from. And it's going to be really fun to, to watch those pay off. Um, you know, I can't stress that enough that when you buy quality livestock as expensive as it is right now in today's world, it really does pay off. Um, most mm -hmm. people think we're crazy to spend like we've spent. They hear rumors, they hear stories. Some of those rumors are true. You know, I get $48,000 for a main end Jew heifer from Gerald Buck a couple weeks ago. She's bad to the bone. Not going to mm -hmm. lie. A lot of money. She's going to make 10 times that. I mean, I have faith in that animal huh. oh, yeah as old uh yeah i mean i guess uh I, I i'm sure you're a humble man but i have to make give you a shout out here you talk about raising good livestock and uh take a virtual bow to the audience grand champion steer at the 2022 ohio beef expo just a few weeks back and yep. uh that black and white steer is going to be a monster to try to turn here at the ohio state fair so Y'all better y'all better get to brushing and, and buying that Shag Secrets product that we had our, our guest on just uh, a night or two ago on that Premier Hair Care system. But uh, that old steer, I'm sure that family is going to bust their butt. It's going to take a real, real, real good one to beat that one because he looks like he's got all the, all the avenues covered in terms of fat steer quality. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Um, it all goes back, though, to those good donor cows, those good show heifers, those good donors. And then when you made them and you made them a various different ways, it's amazing how it seems like they come back to those better cows always working. So, oh, Carrie Gensini, she told my wife about some Angus bull, and I was just like, what? And uh, I guess Michelle's got plans on flushing Margot to the Angus bull that to, I think maybe, uh, oh, I'm putting myself on the spot here. It was an Angus bull out of Kansas that I'd never heard of, and Michelle's got her heart set since Carrie Gensini said so. She's I'll gonna bet. flush. Mar She's gonna flush Margo that way. I'll bet to Forbes. Yeah, Forbes. There you go. That's the one. Yep. Oh yeah, that girl. You <laughs> never know. She finds that stuff. She was in Oklahoma City a couple years ago and found that bull, and um, <laughs> he worked real well for us. So that's like yeah. her. She doesn't care where they come from, who breeds them, what they I are. Hate I hate to be the guy that needs a name brand bull for me to buy into it, but I just is like Forbes. I don't know Forbes. I don't know Style and Primo. Yeah. But uh, anyways. Oh, yeah. Anyways, we're going to take Carrie's advice on that one. And uh, shout out to whoever owns that bull because I bet you're going to earn some extra business because Carrie and Michelle are going after your line of genetics. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs>
Absolutely. No, anyway, it's been a lot of fun, Matt. I appreciate you having me on here. Um, Don't have a lot to add other than, you know, I've met a lot of really cool people, a lot of really nice people over the years in this industry, and I look forward to so many more. Um, That's probably been the nicest thing, you know. I disappeared there for a number of years because I was taking care of a young family and building my excavating business. And I'll tell you what, when I came back, which I never meant to left. I just didn't have the time. But when I came back, you can't believe how nice of a feeling it is to run into old friends like you and, and Kevin and, and, and everybody else around the shows. I mean, it really is a unique family and a unique uh, industry. So I hope yeah. nothing ever, ever ruins it. How's that sound? Gotcha. That sounds good. To the next 20 as uh, we've enjoyed the last 20. So I appreciate it, Joe, and uh, we will be in touch. I would say uh been a heck of an interview, and Kevin Mears is going to give me a hard time for for being able to concentrate this long because usually my ADD kicks in, and I just I check out after 15 or 20 minutes. But, heck, we're going 40 minutes strong here. So yeah. I do appreciate you. Uh, okay. Oh, one little unique personal interaction that a guy, the audience may not know. Everybody has now heard who's been listening to the podcast now knows there was a lot in their polyoc for three or four years. But I think in the fall of 2000 or 2001, uh, there was a there was a Gensini Lautner show cattle business oh, yeah. for just a just a short minute. By hey, golly, no, I, doubt, I doubt many people remember that or even, you know, I know a lot of people wouldn't remember it. But uh, that, there was for one fall a, a Gensini and Lautner show cattle sale and we sold the dog at them. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was. It was. We had one of them about when Louisville that year. You betcha. Yep. Yep. Cool. Yeah, I know that Ashley Van Dyke, I know you're listening. I think from that only sale that me and Joe had, you had about the most dominant shorthorn steer of all time. So, Jeff Lynch and Eric Noonan. Sounds good, buddy. See ya. Thank you. See ya. You bet, buddy.